0: so good to see you today, and we want to welcome you again to All Nations Church. I'm so glad that you're here this morning, and so excited to be able to share with you a little bit this morning. You know, one of the questions that is often asked about people who don't know about Christianity, don't know about the faith, don't know uh, about church life, is the question that is often asked, is God real? It's the question that's been asked for centuries and centuries and centuries and the one that people have tried to ponder and answer and look for evidence of and try to find proof of, is God real? Is there any way in my life that I can verify that God is real? They go from here to there to look for answers in the world. Our world does the same, looking for evidence and proof of a God that is real. And really it's all, it's a journey that every person in their life has to go on at some point. Is to really make a pursuit to discover, am I going to believe God or am I going to live on the side of unbelief? And it's this journey that you and I have to take as we are walking and in this thing called life and discovering, are we going to make this decision or not? It's as if we are all looking for evidence, right? Evidence is used to verify a truth. Evidence is used to make a case. Isn't that correct? Evidence is used in a way to show that something is absolutely true. And with sufficient evidence, we can make a case. But the Bible teaches us a little bit about evidence. And I want to show you that a little bit this morning about how evidence works in our life in this journey of belief. In Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says, just really quickly for this one, is that now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And there's a story in the Bible we're going to read this morning that tells us a little bit about this journey of evidence not seen. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is evidence not seen. What do you do when you're living a life and you want to believe God and you want to follow him, but you're having a hard time? You're you're having a hard time coming up with sufficient evidence. So what happens is, is you're not living on the side of faith. You're not living on the side of unbelief. You're kind of stuck in the middle of what's called doubt. And doubt is what kind of keeps us on this seesaw of tottering back and forth and wondering, what do I do? How do I make this decision? It's evidence not seen. And that's the hard thing about our faith sometimes is that we live in a life where God has called us to live by faith and not by sight. To call us to live an evidence that is not seen. To trust in what God is doing even though my eye cannot behold it. To take Him at His word that God has said it, He has proved it. And it's histories and hundreds and hundreds of years of evidence that have concluded to this even today. But I want to show you what one man's journey brought him to as he was living on this seesaw called Doubt. And he is famously known as Doubting Thomas. In John chapter 20 and 24, the Bible tells us about Thomas. And even though he's called Doubting Thomas, it's really a misnomer. We shouldn't call him Doubting Thomas because the truth is it's all of us. Thomas's life is what all of us go through at times in our life and seasons in our life where we ask questions. Questions are the nature of curiosity. The nature of curiosity helps us to discover God. And it is a good thing. It's a good thing when we ask questions, when we dig, when we seek, because that's the process of getting to know the Lord. You're trying to discover, you're trying to understand and know for yourself to be able to stand firmly and say, I know that my God is real. I know that He's alive. And Jesus went through this with Thomas. And we're going to read this in John 20 and 24. The Bible says that Thomas, the one who was called the twin, one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. Note here the first problem in the story of Thomas is that he was not with them. Jesus had just resurrected from the dead. He was alive and well. He had visited the disciples. He had shown himself to Mary. And now here is Thomas. He was not in the room when Jesus showed up. Now what's amazing to me is God is sovereign, and Jesus is almighty, and Jesus full well knew that Thomas was not in that room when he went to see the disciples. But yet there was something special for Thomas in mind. What you're going to see in Thomas's story today is how patient and how gracious Jesus is even in the middle of all of our doubt. And that's exactly what Thomas was about to experience, that Thomas, he was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told them, we have seen the Lord, as if to rub it in a little bit. I've seen Jesus with my own eyes. Thomas, where were you at? You were getting something to drink. You weren't here, present in the room. You took a break, whatever. Where were you at? I have seen him with my own eyes. And this is what is even more amazing about this story, is Thomas has lived among these disciples for a few years now. And even before this, he was probably friends with some of them. And now here he is. They have told him, we've seen the Lord. We've seen Jesus. We have looked right at him with our own eyes. But Thomas said, that's not enough for me. He couldn't believe based on their word. And so he said to them, unless I see, unless I see the mark, Unless I look for myself, unless I behold the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. This is the story of our world right now. We have churches and people all over the world who say, God is alive and God is real. He is present. He is among us. He's calling us to repentance, to confess and believe with our mouth. But yet our people and our world, our neighbors, the friends, our family, even though we may know them personally, they say to us, unless I see for myself, I'm not going to believe. Unless I put my eyes on Jesus, unless I see Jesus get involved in my situation, I'm not going to believe unless I can actually behold with my own faith, Jesus at work, I'm not going to believe. And this is really a sad thing. It's a sad situation that that there's this kind of hope that I have to see for myself. But in a way, it's a good thing because it's going to confirm and acknowledge the faith that is beginning to work inside of Him. And so the Bible goes on to say in verse 26, a week later. Oh, notice how that just rubs it in even worse for Thomas. The disciples come to him and say, we've seen Jesus. And he says, I'm not going to believe unless I see for myself. And then a week later. You talk about a long seven days. A week later. A week later. And I just want to pause there for a moment. This morning, this is what I want to talk to you about. is about evidence not seen. And here is where Thomas is wrestling is he's wrestling with doubt. And doubt is the in-between of faith and unbelief. On one side of the scale, you have faith. And on the other side of the scale, you have unbelief. But right in the middle, smack dab in the middle, is doubt. It's that thing that causes us to lay awake at night. And it's the thing that if we're not careful... It will either push us towards faith or it will either push us towards unbelief. Doubt is a tricky thing. Doubt is a tricky thing because we question everything. We question unbelief. We question faith. We question if it's real or is it fake. And we throw both sides up in the air and it puts us in this ugly predicament of trying to figure it out. Of trying to get our minds around it and understand. And so we get stuck in this place called doubt. And here was Thomas. He was stuck in the place of doubt for a week. Well, the disciples told me, my brothers told me, I, they saw Jesus. I wondered, should I, I don't, should I trust their word for it? Well, I don't know. I haven't seen him myself. They could be making, saw somebody else. It, it might not have been true. Can you imagine what Thomas went through for a week? All the possible excuses to push him towards unbelief probably came up. Did Jesus really, there? was that really him? Was it a ghost? Was it something else? Uh, that probably even wasn't Jesus. They thought they saw Jesus, but it was something else. The millions and millions of questions that went through Thomas's mind. And that's the enemy of doubt. And that's where doubt brought him to was that place of wondering, what side do I lean to? Where do I go? How do I move in this situation And it's really the wrestling question that you and I will probably have to come to at some point in our life of faith. Especially as early Christians, as baby Christians, and even as you grow older in your life as a believer, doubt becomes very present and real at times in our lives, especially when difficulties come near and approaching. It causes us to question God. It causes us to do like Job. We talked about Job the other week and there was Job and all of his ugly situation and the worst of possible things that happened and he's asking God, well, God, where is God? Where is God in this? And all of the questions he could ask, he asked. It was so many things that was going through his mind. It was doubt. It was doubt. But what you're going to see this morning as we talk about doubt is that God responds to doubt just as a gentle and kind God that He is. And so the Bible says that a week later His disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them this time. And although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Notice how the gospel is important or is detailed enough to include that the doors were shut. This isn't isn't a mistake. It's not a little detail that should be overlooked. But what this shows us here is that the doors were shut. As if to solidify Thomas's doubt, or, or to solidify Thomas's faith in a way. To show him that the doors were shut. So Jesus, when he walked in the room, what he did was he didn't open any door. He just walked right through the door. Yeah, Jesus walked through a wall. Did you know that? He walked right through it. It was as if Jesus was trying to eliminate doubt. If there was any question about who was in the room, is this really Jesus? Thomas could say, hey, this guy came through a wall. There's no question. I saw him. He walked through. The doors were closed. And now he's standing here among me. And what he said next is amazing. He said, peace be with you. Notice how when Jesus arrived in the room, peace arrived. And isn't that the trouble of doubt? Is that doubt causes us unrest. It's restlessness, restlessness. I don't know, I don't know. I'm here and there and everywhere. But when Jesus came in the middle of Thomas's doubt, He brought peace. Peace. The type of peace that eliminates all the questions. The type of peace that says, well, I don't know if I can believe God. The type of peace that says, it's okay. It brings stillness and a calm. And so He says, then He said to Thomas, Notice here, there's no conversation that happens before this. Jesus simply looks at Thomas and he says, Put your finger here and see my hands. And reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. Isn't Jesus wonderful? How here Thomas is in all of his doubt, but Jesus is just present. Notice here a few things about God's responses to doubt. Number one is God is faithful to help us in our doubt. God is faithful to help us in our doubt. Jesus is not disturbed by our doubt. Every person here today, I want to encourage you today, Jesus is not disturbed by our doubt. When Jesus walked in the room, He immediately just proved Himself. He immediately brought peace. He immediately brought comfort. He immediately brought signs that He is evidence not seen. It's, it's Jesus is not disturbed by our doubt. He can work with that. He can use that. It's our unbelief that's the problem. Because that's when, when on the scale of belief, You have faith, and you have unbelief, and you have doubt. And when you end up on the side of unbelief, that's when you just fall off the scale in general because you, at that point, don't leave any room for God to work whatsoever. You don't leave any room to say, well, maybe God is real. No, there's no question. On the unbelief side, all of it is thrown out of the park. And that's where the enemy comes in and uses our unbelief against us, and he renders us powerless on the side of unbelief. But in our doubt, God can work with our doubt. He can help us in our doubt. And God does just that. He is faithful to help us in our doubt. And so he says, unless I see, Thomas said. Unless I see with my eyes. Jesus knew exactly what Thomas needed. And he wasn't even in the room when Thomas expressed his need. Notice that Jesus wasn't even present. He felt absent. And there was this long period of a week where Jesus felt like he was absent from Thomas's life and he wasn't even in the room. But as soon as Jesus came in the room, watch what he did. He reached to Thomas, Peace be with you. You see my hands? Put them here. Put your, put your hand in my side. Immediately, he knew exactly what Thomas needed. Isn't that wonderful to know that when you and I doubt, when we go through seasons of wondering and questioning God, God knows exactly what we need. He knows exactly how to respond and help us. Maybe you're doubting in a certain situation or whatever it may be. All of us have our stories here today. But isn't it wonderful to know that God knows exactly what we need? He knew exactly what Thomas needed. There was no room for conversation. Jesus jumped right into that room and addressed his need immediately. God can work with doubt if we'll let Him work with our doubt. But God is faithful to help us in our doubt. The second thing you'll see here is God is faithful to help us in our doubt. And God is gracious with us even when we doubt. God is gracious with us even when we doubt. Notice here that Thomas made a statement and said, Unless I see the mark... Unless I see the mark, he asks very specifically, unless I see the mark, unless I see the sign. And God is gracious with us even when we doubt and we're wondering and asking for signs. He is still faithful to even give us all the signs that we ask for. Gideon did the same thing. Gideon asked for three signs and God answered them all. There was no condemnation. There was no rebuking. It was simply, okay, I'll show you. Okay, I'll work on your behalf. Okay, you don't, you, you're, you're doubting me? Let me show you. You see, doubt is the invitation of God's power. Doubt is the room where you and I, when we doubt, when we get to the place and we've fallen away from faith and we're at the point of doubt, where we give God space to work and say, God, show me. Work in my life. Demonstrate to me. Demonstrate your power and your goodness. Although He doesn't have to. Because God is wonderful and great and mighty in all of who He is, God doesn't have to prove Himself, but it just shows you the character and nature of Jesus, that He loves us so much so that He will even prove Himself in our doubt. That God will even go out of His way to show us, even though He doesn't have to, He's the God of the universe, but yet He'll still give us the signs we ask for. He's still faithful to even give us the signs we ask for, just like He did for Thomas and just like He did for Gideon. Thirdly, notice this is that we said God is faithful to help us in our doubt. God is gracious with us even when we doubt. And God uses our doubt to compel us toward Him. I always love how God does things in the Bible where He'll take things that seem ridiculous or impossible and He'll use them for His glory. And there's another story in Mark chapter 9 that demonstrates this point a little bit better. And the story is the story of a a boy who's been possessed with evil spirits. And often the Bible says his father saw him and he would throw himself into a fire and they would see him do all of these terrible things. And you can just imagine the tragedy that was happening in this father's soul. But then this this conversation happens in Mark chapter 9, verse 21 between Jesus and this father. And Jesus asked the father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. Thomas thought a week was bad. Here's a child from childhood has been having this problem go on. It has often cast him into the fire and in the water to destroy him. And watch what the father says. But if you're able to do anything, if you're able to do anything, God, isn't that how we pray sometimes? God, if if you can, just help me, please. God, if you're able, if you have the, the strength and the capability, please, God, help me. God, if you're able, If you're able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. But Jesus said to him, he threw his words back at him. If you are able, as if to make an exclamation, if you are able, Jesus says, there's an exclamation point. If you are able, no, he says, all things can be done for the one who believes. The question of the matter in this of doubt was not God's ability, it was man's faith. The question of the matter of this one wasn't was could God do it if you're able. It was will you believe? Will you simply trust? Will you simply call upon me? Will you simply know that I can take care of your need and help you in the middle of the situation you're going through? And so the Bible says that the father, the child cried out a prayer that is, it's a paradox. But really it's a prayer that relates to so many of us. He says, I believe, help my unbelief. Now how can you believe and have unbelief at the same time? But this father he was so confused in where he was at in his doubt and understanding. He says, "If you believe, if I believe but help my unbelief." And then watch what Jesus did. Jesus is smart. And he's always strategic. And whenever you read the Bible, notice the moment Jesus does a miracle. Take Take note of the context. Jesus always has a purpose and the timing is always perfect. And the Bible says that when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together. Oh, I love how Jesus waited for a crowd. As if He really had a point to prove. He waited for this right moment. Because surely this father and this child's story had been made known all over the town. Surely everybody know that child, he's got problems. Surely everybody known that... No, don't get near him. There's something seriously wrong with him. But here's Jesus in his gentle, loving nature who can see probably the public humiliation in this father and child's life and he waits for the crowd to arrive and here is the father who has doubted and wondered, well, I don't know if you're able, God. If you're able. But when Jesus saw that the crowd came running, The Bible says that he rebuked the unclean spirit. Isn't that wonderful? How Jesus didn't put the father down. He didn't add to the humiliation. He didn't keep on embarrassing him. And even though that father was deeply troubled in his soul. He waited for the crowd as a way to publicly bless him. To show him. I know what they're all thinking about you. I know what they're all saying about you, but I want to show you. If you believe, all things are possible. All things can be done for the one who believes. And in that moment, he cured his doubt. You see, God uses doubt and he takes what is just a tricky enemy for us all. And he uses doubt to compel us toward him. And when you and I get stuck in doubt, we've got to make a decision. Am I going to go towards faith or am I going to go towards unbelief? When, when you make the decision to go towards faith, the, what happens is it's the type of prayer that says, God, I am doubting, I am afraid, I don't know what to do, I don't know where to go, I don't know how to answer this, I'm stuck in doubt, but show me a sign, give me something, give me a promise in your word, let the Holy Spirit encourage me, bring strength to me, whatever it may be. That God uses, that is what God uses to compel us towards faith. Because when God proves himself, just like he did for Thomas, when God proves himself and he shows up on the scene, what happens is, is there becomes like Thomas, there was an immediate exclamation that said, my Lord and my God. Thomas's, when he's when his doubt was cured, his immediate thing, reaction was, I know that you're my Lord, and I know that you're my God, and I know that you can trust him. So what God does is he uses our doubt to compel us to the place where we'll stand publicly and affirm, my Lord and my God. God takes those moments of tricky doubt so that you and I can say, No, I know all things can be done for the one who believes. All things can be done for the one who believes. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. You know, the most remarkable thing in this story to me is not the fact that Jesus walked through a wall. That's amazing. And that's, that's really cool. You know, if you're going to write about cool things that happened in the Bible, that's one of them. It's, it's not is amazing to me to see here's Jesus and he shows him a hand that's got a hole in it. That would be... Really interesting to see in person. But the thing that was amazing to me is how God was just so gentle. How Jesus was just so kind and so loving in His doubt. Jesus came to Thomas with arms of compassion because the last thing God wants to do is push us towards unbelief. Because the Bible tells us that without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that He is. He's what? The Bible doesn't say. The Bible says you must believe that He is. He is. It's not to categorize God in just one category. But to believe that He is the great I am. He's all that He said He is. He's not just the Word of God, He's not just the bread come down from heaven, He's all that He said He is. So without faith it's impossible to come to God, and he that comes to God must believe that He is. He's the shepherd, He's the way maker, He parted seas, He opened doors, He did miracle after miracle, He did wonderful things all over and over and over, and it's not to confine Him to one of those things when you come to God. Without faith you believe that He is all of those things. He works in all of those categories and I can simply trust him and know that he's more than able. Without faith it's impossible to please God, for he that comes to God must believe that he is, and watch this, and he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You're stuck in doubt? You're questioning God? No, the Bible promises us today, and you can use your doubt to hold God to His word and say, God, Your word promises me that You're a rewarder of those that diligently seek You. And here I am in my doubt wondering, how am I going to get through this? I don't know if You're real or not. I'm wondering. I'm stuck. I don't know where to go. No, God, You said You'll reward those who seek You. So I'm seeking. I'm looking for answers. I'm trying to find proof and evidence in my life. And all of that to say, that isn't it amazing to see how God loves us so much so that He'll try to prove Himself even in our doubt. This is a whole book full of evidence not seen. A whole book full of God's proof working on our behalf. But yet God does it anyways. Isn't that wonderful? Would you stand with me today? Would you close your eyes with me this morning, right where you're at? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. This morning you're wrestling because you can't see. You're looking for evidence you can't find and you're in doubt. Can I just encourage you as the Bible teaches us here today? To seek Him? Because once you seek Him you'll discover like Thomas that He's the only Lord and He's the only God. There's none like Him, not one. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never made it your choice to follow Jesus because you've been stuck in doubt. I want to encourage you today just call upon Jesus. Invite Him. Don't just stand in doubt and do nothing. No, look up to Jesus, ask him today, petition him. If you need to be saved today, call upon him. The Bible promises those, those who will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a promise in God's word. You don't have to take my word. You can read it from God himself. Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let God rescue you from your doubt today maybe you need to surrender your life to him you've been struggling back and forth and wondering should I commit my life or should I not no don't wrestle anymore just swing over to faith trust God, believe him he's proved himself over and over and he'll keep doing it even today repent, come to him Lord I'm sorry I'm sorry Lord but may I warn you please don't be full of unbelief simply believe believe today so choir comes you need prayer this morning please come to the front you want to pray where you're at pray where you're at if you'd like someone to pray with you come front to the front we'll pray with you listen this morning i want to i want to say something to you there's no shame in doubting because every person in this room goes through doubt what God wants to do is just help you to believe again, to have faith in Him again, to be able to live on evidence not seen. And Father, this morning, we come to you today and we trust you, Jesus. Lord, I trust you today on behalf of my brothers and sisters today who are doubting, because I know like Thomas, you're my Lord and my God. But maybe there's some here today who don't have that conviction. They're wrestling, Lord, just like Thomas, and saying, I want to see for myself. And God, today, I pray that you would demonstrate your goodness and your love before every person in this room today, Lord. That person who's doubting, God, would you show them signs of your graciousness and your faithfulness to them, Lord. Wrap your arms around them, Lord, and surround them with your love that they may believe, Lord. Lord, that they may believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with their mouth, like Thomas, Jesus is Lord, and you promise that they shall be saved. I pray today, Lord, help us with our doubt this morning. Help us, Lord, surrender to you, Lord. I don't want to doubt any longer, Lord. I want to trust you. I want to follow you. I want to take you at your word, God. I pray today, Lord, that you would fill us with faith this morning. Fill us with the type of faith that says all things are possible for those who believe. The question is not your ability, God. The question is my faith. So, Lord, today we pray, give us faith, Lord. The type of faith that, like Jesus said, can move mountains to into the sea. The type of faith that the apostles had. The type of the faith that the men and women of the Bible had, Lord, to trust you and believe you. I pray God fill us with fresh faith today. Help us to live on evidence not seen this morning. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your graciousness towards us this morning. We thank you for your faithfulness to us, even when we doubt. When we are faithless, he will remain faithful. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, this morning. We bless you, Lord. We bless you today. We thank you, Jesus. If you need the Lord today, would you just call to him? You're doubting this morning. Call upon Jesus. Oh, he's true to his word. He's not a man that he should lie. As the choir sings, you need prayer this morning. Come, let us pray with you. You need prayer right where you're at. Pray right where you're at. However you want to pray, just pray. Call upon the Lord.